Well, how's that for a treat? How's that for a treat uh, today? Uh, this is my friend Marsh, and many of you know him, and I asked him when he I knew he was coming for this Sunday, and I, I asked him to do that song. Um, that's always been my That's one of his songs, and um, we recorded that song. A lot of the same band members, a number of years ago as a church, we recorded, if you were here, it was called Track Record, and, and we recorded that song, and, and uh, that has always been one of the favorites of mine. You know, you are here with me. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening, whatever circumstance is attacking you and making life difficult for you, whatever hurtful, thoughtless thing perhaps someone is doing to you or saying to you, whatever's happening in your life that is, that is not the way you hoped or planned it to be, Jesus is with you. We, we don't have to conjure anything up. We just have to recognize it and celebrate it and be thankful for it. And so I'm thankful for that uh, today. I'm thankful uh, for this morning as well, in case you did not hear uh, last Sunday, if you were not here last Sunday, or if you don't, did not get an email from the church this week, um, it is with tremendous uh, sadness uh, that I announced last Sunday that I, I'll be resigning from my role here. This is my last teaching Sunday uh, here with you. I'll remain on staff for about four weeks or so just to try to help with the transition in any way that I can. As far as the simple explanation, kind of what I had talked about last week, is essentially what I believe our church needs the most right now is a shepherd, is a leader, is clarity on who is, is the vision caster for the church and setting us in the direction that God wants us to go. And I strongly believe that it's very difficult for someone to come into Mountain Park or to come from within Mountain Park and thrive in that role while I remain here as someone who has been the shepherd, has had the honor of being a shepherd here for 15 years. And so it's because of that that I have pulled myself out of the, uh, I just want to pull myself out of the story and allow Mountain Park to go on to the, to the next season. So what I want to talk about today is, so, so what do we do? How do we handle this when life doesn't go as planned? With this being my last teaching uh, Sunday, uh, and I hope, it's not, I hope it's not my last Sunday because I, I want to be able to come back. I want to be able to come back as a guest speaker like Don Doe. You know, everybody loves Don. Oh, Don Doe. You know, everybody loves Don. So I'm hoping that I could come back kind of in that, in that capacity. That would be a thrill uh, for me to be able to do that. But here in my last teaching Sunday as a staff here, what I want to say is really can be boiled down to three Letters, not three points, not even three sentences or words, but three letters. I believe that everything that I have said here over the past 15 years, with, which totals more than 600 messages, <laughs> can be summed up in three letters. Don't you wish I could have been that brief over the last 15 years? <laughs> I believe that everything that we find in Scripture Everything in the Old Testament journey, everything that Jesus said and taught and lived, everything that Paul wrote about could be summed up in three letters that I will share with you in just a moment. But I want to pray with you first. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I'm, I'm so thankful that you are here with us. Whatever's going on in, in our lives right now as we sit here and there are changes happening in our church, changes happening in, in, in different parts of our lives. God, you are here with us. 
So, Father, we, we want to acknowledge your presence, and we just want to say to you, God, so what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond to this? So, Father, would you come and, and speak to us to that end? Just speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Speak to this need for us to understand. So how am I supposed to handle this? What am I supposed to do going forward? In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you've been here for a while, uh, you've heard me talk about this before, but I want to do it one last time, that, that there is a grand epic story going on around us. The way we live our lives is determined by the story we believe that's going on around us. There's one grand epic story, and we have a role to play in that story. We read about different people, have different roles throughout the history, but we get to have a role in that story. And when you look at the Bible story, this, this, this long collection, this overall journey, I love to be able to break it down. It just it helps me to be able to break some things down. So here's one way to break the things down, is to view the Bible story as a story of growth and maturing of the people of God. If you look at the first half of the Old Testament, it is the foundation of the story, and essentially it's, it's, it's the story of the children of God. It's God treating his people like children. And, and, and God, in the way that God did this in the Old Testament is that God in the, in the first few books of the Bible had to provide a number of rules, a number of laws, just to say, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. Just the sim- simplicity and the clarity of that, that's what God had to do with his children. Because he understands, and we understand, that you don't reason with a child who's throwing a tantrum in the mall. Okay, you don't, you don't say, okay, uh, um, okay, son, how does, it, uh, how does it make you feel uh, when you kick me in the shin, son? How does that make you feel? I know how it makes me feel, <laughs> but we don't do that. We, we, we pick the child up and we say, okay, we're just going to have to kind of take care of this deal. What we say and how we manage, you know, children is different than how we manage and say how we handle adults. And that's what God was doing with the people of God, saying, if you do this, things will go well. If you don't do that, things will not go well. And this is a repeated format in the way God was interacting with his people as a way of just saying, I want you to trust me. You may or may not understand the rules and the laws that I'm providing here, but all of this foundational story is I just want you to trust me. I'm going to provide you manna daily. And I'm not going to give it to you for weeks or months at a time. I'm just going to provide it daily so that you every day would start to develop as a child this trust in your father, your creator. And then the story matured into the second half of the Old Testament, which is kind of like God interacting with with his people as teenagers. So they're, they're maturing a little bit, and so now it's not only the rules, but we also have to bring in the consequences. So what we find in the second half of the Old Testament are the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And repeatedly, they, they, they would say to the people of God, you, you have to change your way. God is saying, change what you're doing. Change your way, or you will get kicked out of the promised land. This is not going to go well for you. You will get kicked out of the promised land. Time and time, the warnings came, the warnings came, and they did not change their way. And because God is a good father, he followed through with consequences. He's not the father who says, stop, one, two, three, you stop or I'm going to count again. That's not what God says. God says, I, 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 I'm going to treat you as a, as a growing People, 
And then he followed, followed through on the, on the consequences, and that was the exile out of Jerusalem. So all of this, you know, was setting up for the New Testament story, the last quarter of the Bible. And in that story, this is where the story matures from teenager to adult. The New Testament story is God having an interaction with us and saying, okay, this is the mature adult form of the relationship. It's almost like in the New Testament, we have graduated from from teenagers into adulthood. That might make sense for some of us here because this is graduation season. This is, you know, a plethora of graduation uh, parties. So we bounce from parties to parties. People are graduating from high school, graduating from college. There's lots of, of cards and best wishes being shared and money in cards and, and advice for young people as they're growing up, as they're transitioning from teenager to adult. As Jesus assembled with his disciples in the upper room for the Last Supper journey, this, this story in the, in, in, on Thursday night before Jesus died on the cross. That journey when he gathered with the disciples, it's almost like it was a graduation party for his disciples. Think about it. They were about 18 years old at this time. They had been taught by Jesus for the past three years, so it's almost like they were graduating, finishing their high school experiences. And I don't know that if they received cards and best wishes from their relatives, you know, as part of the the, the Last Supper journey. I know that they sat down for a meal. They, they, they ate some food and they, they, they drank uh, some drinks. And so they enjoyed that part of it. Maybe they got some money. We know that Judas got some money from a priest, about 30 shekels. And, and that was a whole other story. But essentially, Jesus had assembled with his graduates. And he wanted to offer them some final words. This is a big deal. Jesus, after three years with these guys, said, here here are the final words I want to give you. And we find this story in John chapter 13. If you were reading John with us a few weeks back and we were walking through the Bible and difficult things that make the Bible difficult to read, and we were reading through the book of John, perhaps you read up to John 13 or you recently read John 13. As a part of this final experience that he had with his graduating seniors, quote unquote, Jesus says, This in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. It's a great verse, but it's easy to just kind of skip over how profound these words are. New command? How is this new? How is this new? Jesus, at the end of his three years, how is this a new concept for the ones who have been following him for three years? You go back into the Old Testament, deep into the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. Moses wrote, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, as a part of his teaching to his high schoolers in that journey, he summarized all the law and the prophets from the Old Testament. He summarized the whole thing and says it really can be wrapped up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what's the new part here? What Jesus is saying here in this verse, he gives a new command, and it is a very big deal. Because what is represented here is the profound shift from teenager to adult. It's a shift from making decisions based on how they affect me 
and my relationship with God and my future and my goals and my happiness. It's a shift from that to making decisions based on how does this affect others. Huge shift. How does this affect me to how does this affect others? It's a shift from loving God to loving others. That's where minds should start popping throughout the room right here. A shift. Here, let me, let me tell you what, what, an example of this. My son is one of the graduates this year. Martin, he's our middle child. He graduated uh, from DV. <laughs> Martin's fan club up in the skybox there. One of, the, one of the graduates this year, just an amazing group of young men and women who have graduated, and I've got to go to a number of their graduation parties, and you guys are awesome. You're, you're going to change the world. And, um, and uh, Martin plays French horn at, at DV, or he played, you know, this past year. He played all the years he was there. And Mr. T is the, is the leader of the band um, over there at DV. What a gift he is to Desert Vista. What a gift he is to our community. If you know Mr. T, he's a phenomenal uh, man. So uh, my kids had the pleasure of, of um, uh, working with him. Mr. T took the opportunity at the very last concert to give a shout-out to some of the graduate, graduating seniors and really kind of pump them up. At the very last concert uh, at, at the, the stadium at DV, and it was filled with a number of people, and he was highlighting a number of kids. And at one point, he, he highlighted my son and just said, Martin here, Martin, he doesn't just show up once a week to, uh, to spend time with the special needs kids at the school, because that's kind of the plan. That's the expectation. Once a week, you do that. Martin does it every day. Martin goes every day to spend time with the special needs kids. And then he went on, and they, they, you know, he cheered for him. And and so he came home, Martin came home that night, and and I said, Martin, I'm so proud of you. I said, I, there's a whole lot of things that people could say about you, about your grades, or da 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 And I said, there, there's no higher value than what Mr. T said about you tonight. No higher value. And he had a smile on his face, and he corrected me. He said, oh, Dad, no. The only thing higher than that is loving God. And I looked at him, and I said, no, 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 no. I looked at him, I said, nope. I said, no. It's, it, loving others is the highest value. The greatest way that we can love God is to love others. Th- th- this is the, the mind-blowing part of what Jesus is saying here with this new command. New command I give you. I boil the whole thing down to love one another as I have loved you. This is not a secondary issue. It's not love God, love God, worship God, sing to God. It's not love God, love God, love God, and then if you have some extra, then you can love some other people. This is saying love other people. It's the best way that you can love God. This is absolutely profound. So here's, here, are the, here are the three letters. If I boil it all down to three letters, I didn't have time to make a, a PowerPoint slide, so I'm going to have to make it here with you. And so this is the screen. So we're going to have like three screens here in the room. This one is not quite as dynamic as the other ones, but uh, here we go. Three letters. Now you think it could be LOL. Could be LOL, because you gotta laugh. Life is hard, you gotta enjoy life. Laugh, enjoy, I get that. It could be LOL, but it's not a LOL, LOL. 
L-O-A. So what, what might this mean? Look at me. I'm just messing up this whole wall here. I'm making you wait. What does LOL, what does LOA stand for? Well, it could be, it could be a, a law of attraction. I don't even remember a number of years ago, there's a book that came out called The Secret, The Secret, The Secret. And then there was this idea of if you just imagine something enough, you can attract it to you. Just the law of attraction. You could bring it to you, and great things will happen to you. Uh, that's kind of... Sure, whatever. I just don't. I just don't see it in the Bible, so that's not. That's not going to carry me too far. It could be. It could be. Um, I got a lot of work to do this morning. It could be um, law of averages. That might be a mathematical thing. It could be uh, lizards often attack. That could be a like a like a desert warning. You know, just to kind of help people out, give some people a little bit of, if they're new in the area to kind of understand what this is all about. You know what it is. A new command I give you, Jesus says. Love one another. This is the message of the whole Bible. This is the story of the Bible, the whole thing. You might remember when we moved in here, we buried a Bible in the concrete of this platform as a reminder that whoever stands here, it's not, it's not whatever, it's not their own thoughts that we really care about. What we really care about is what does the Word of God say? And so, so right underneath there, there's a Bible, and it is open to Romans chapter 12, which is my favorite chapter in the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, think differently. Think differently than the natural way that we think about ourselves or think about others. Think about God. Think differently about the person sitting next to you because that person is created by God. And later on in verse 9, Paul writes, love must be sincere. Okay, so this here, your experience of this, it has to be real. That you're not just kind of playing a game or pretending what, you know, to do what other people said you need to do. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So hate any part of life that doesn't look like this. Cling to any and every part of life that looks like that. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another. So when you do this, it's not about looking down and saying, I love you. It's not a condescending deal. It is a, I am honoring one another above myself. The more I lift you up, the better we are. The more we lift one another up, the better we are. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You gotta work at this. You gotta keep going on. You gotta stay committed to it because it isn't just gonna, gonna happen to you. You gotta work at it. Love one another. This is the whole message of the Bible. What Jesus did is he took the whole story and he narrowed it down. He narrowed it down to two commandments. And then at the very end with his new command, he narrows it down to one thing. L-O-A, love one another. And what Paul does in his letters is he applies what that means. Paul doesn't go a different direction. He takes, he takes this fundamental idea of Jesus and he says, okay, how does that apply to every area of life? He says, in marriage, husbands, love your wives. Lay down your life for your wife. In the Old Testament, it was, says, it was husbands, lay down the law. With the new covenant, it was husbands, lay down your life. 
Paul says that's what the words of Jesus mean. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as the love chapter. It begins with Paul saying, if I, if I do great things, if I, if I have great things, if I gain great things, the, 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 that's kind of my paraphrase. If I do lots of awesome stuff, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, then he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. And at the end he says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love. The whole thing, the whole story of the Bible is three letters. This is the story of Mountain Park. This is Mountain Park at her best. In the old church, there was a broken sidewalk leading up to the front door. As a reminder that we walk into this place broken. And, and down out this, uh, the south entrance of our brand new fancy building, there's another broken sidewalk there. The same reminder. We don't walk into this place perfect and then evaluating one another. Hmm, I see you got a new outfit. Looks like it should have cost you quite a bit. But I saw a, a new outfit last week. We don't do that. We come into this place broken, each and every one of us. Look at the person next to you. That person is broken. <laughs> we come into this place broken so that we can love one another. This is what Christ-centered yoga is all about. Elena Porter and her team, they've been leading this ministry for years and years and years. And it's not just yoga in a church. It's Christ-centered yoga. She gives people massages. She hugs people on the way out. She says, it's free. It'll always be free. We don't, we don't want to charge you for anything because we want you to understand that God's love is free. This is the marriage ministry on Monday nights so that hurting and hopeless marriages in our community who, whether they are part of Mountain Park, whether they have any belief in Jesus whatsoever, just come on Monday night and we will love on you. We will have a group of people who have worked through their own brokenness in their own marriage just to meet with you and give you encouragement so that you can have hope that you didn't have before you walked into this door. This is what Tuesday night hope group is all about. Men and women coming together from whatever parts, from whatever stories, just coming together, not to be judged, but to be invited into freedom from whatever's got a hold of them, to be given hope. This is the story of Jim Cooper, my favorite story during my 15 years here at Mountain Park. Many of you know Jim, Jim Cooper and know his story. If you think you're a knucklehead, you got nothing on Jim Cooper. This is, this is a self-declared knucklehead. Okay, he gave me permission to tell his story. Many of you, like I said, you already know his story. A number of years back, he left his wife and he left his beautiful little two little girls and he went, he went on, he lived in New York, and he just did a prodigal son journey for a number of years. And he was like a, a spoiled, wealthy frat boy, living as an adult, just doing whatever he wants, just partying it up, doing the whole deal, until he finally just kind of realized, what am I doing? And he slowly sauntered back to Phoenix to try to figure out what was going on. He spent some time in jail. In 2010, he stumbled into Mountain Park, the old building, never been in a church before, and he experienced this. And he, for the first time in his life, became aware of this grand epic story about a God who loves us that much 
and that he can have a restored relationship with God through Jesus. And he surrendered his life to Jesus who flipped his life upside down. Got a restored relationship with his wife, reconnected with his daughters in a profound way and and has just a great relationship with them as they continue to thrive into adulthood now. I mean, just a completely transformed life. And, and, And eventually he ended up leading, not just participating in, but leading men's ministry and marriage ministry and the Hope Ministry on Tuesday nights as a volunteer. You talk about a guy who, who, who's, who's making up for lost time. It's awesome. Here's a guy who experienced this and then in turn shows this to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people over the years and will continue to do so. That's the best part about Mountain Park. This. This is the story of my family at Mountain Park. We came here 15 years ago, and this is what we looked like. I had, my hair was a little bit darker, and uh, this was January of 2016. I was wearing a sweater because I thought in January you wore sweaters, but apparently not in Phoenix, so I don't, I don't have any of those anymore. But this, our kids were four, two, and zero at this time, and so essentially Mountain Park is the only church they've ever known. This is, you know, this is the only place they've ever known. You and the interactions that they've had with you is the only church experience they've ever known. And you loved on them well. So Gordon is, uh, is now, he's a student at ASU. He has plans to be a pediatrician. He is, he is, sir, he is volunteering at uh, Banner Hospital and Phoenix uh, Children's Hospital. And um, he loves kids. He just absolutely is so comfortable with and loves kids. Why? Because he had the opportunity to serve here in children's ministry for years. Because staff and leaders here loved on him and encouraged him and helped him out and said, hey, try this, and and gave him more and more opportunities. And he loved on your kids as they were growing up. And he was loved by you as parents and trusted by you. And it changed his life. So thank you. Martin is, uh, yeah. Martin, he's going to ASU in the fall. And his plan is to, be a, is to go into psychology, and he wants to work with families with special needs kids. Why? Because he grew up in a church <laughs> that loves families with special needs kids. So thank you. Thank you for being that church. And L- Lila, she's our youngest, and she's a little rascal. So this has nothing to do with the school she's going to. It's just more, so Lila is still at DV, and she loves to serve up in the tech booth. So she's up there, and she's working on cameras, and she's working on the screens and doing the timing and all that, and she loves it because DeAndre and his team, they encourage her on a regular basis and say, you're awesome, Lila, and they tell you, and she really is. She's great at what she does because she gets encouraged and she loves doing it. And it's just, that's just one of the many opportunities that she has had to grow and try things and, and have meaningful experiences here at your church. Who doesn't like getting attention from a guy like DeAndre? <laughs> Let me just tell you, that's a beautiful thing. So thank you, church. I, I'm, 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 Timmy and I, will forever be grateful 
for how Mountain Park has loved our kids. And our kids love church because of Mountain Park. The, the, if you want to show someone, for those of you who are parents, you know the best way to show love to a parent is to love their kids. That's the best way. And you did that for me and my family for 15 years. And we are incredibly thankful. But in addition to that, it also shows me why this is so important to God, our Father. Because he wants us to love his kids. Just like I love it when you all love my kids, our Father in heaven wants you to love his kids. The person you're sitting next to right now, the person you work with, the person you're angry with right now in life, your Father in heaven wants you to love that person. I'm still growing still learning uh, uh, with this deal. My family and I got invited to uh, the Gamez's house a few weeks back, and we were loved on by being, being invited over there for dinner, and the Battles were there, and the Stolsons were there for this, uh, for this party, and Tammy and I walked up to the door, and there was a sign at the front of the door. It said, Mi casa e su casa. Very loving, inviting thing to say at the front of the door, and as we were standing there, I looked over at Tammy. I said, we should get a sign in front of our house that says, mi casa e mi casa. <laughs> and, uh, and then so <laughs> we snickered, we went in, we sat down, and then I told the group that story. And they all just kind of tilted their head and looked at me like I clubbed a seal because they didn't get it. Like it just wasn't even funny to them. It's just because they're, they're, they're such incredible hosts and such incredible loving people. It just doesn't even make sense to them. And so you know, the Stolsons, for example, they have a sign in their house that says, those who love others will never be alone. Totally cheesy and totally true, completely true, and that's the way they live their lives. But the reason I'm telling you this is this, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. I have a long way to go personally in terms of growing with this. We all have areas of strength and areas we're developing in. My ability to just, to just love others the way you have loved me, et cetera, in this journey, I, I have a long way to go, but this is absolutely what I believe we're supposed to do. This is what I believe Jesus commanded us to do. This is what I believe the story of the whole Bible is. This is what I believe is Mountain Park at her best. And this is what I hope Mountain Park continues to be known for. As our church walks out this transition and this story, what do you want the community, the people around here, your friends and relatives and neighbors that you love and you care about who do not yet know Jesus, what do you want them to say about Mountain Park Church during this transition? Do you want them to say, I heard, which is always a terrible way to start a sentence, I heard Alan and the board had a fight. I heard that the pastor did something terrible that no one knows about, but I have some guesses. I heard that the pastor actually isn't rugged or Canadian. <laughs> or do you want people in our community to say, that place on the corner of I-10 and 202, they love people. They're, they're going through, they love people. They're searching for a new pastor, but they are not 
pausing for a second in terms of taking opportunities in our community to love people. That's what we should be absolutely clapping about. This, 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 uh, this land here, before we built this building, it was just a pile of dirt. And there was a group of people led by Marilyn Beck who praised every Sunday for our church. Every Sunday, praised for every service. She and her team. And she and her team were walking the grounds when this was just a pile of dirt. And one, uh, every week, and one time my wife was with them, and she saw written in the dust was, was the name Satan. So she went over, she wiped it out. As a part of her prayer, she said, Satan, you have no place here. No place here. Not on this spot. When we spit venom towards one another, when we fight and we complain and we gossip and we divide, we are giving Satan a victory that he is not allowed to have here. But when we do this, it doesn't mean we don't disagree. We're allowed to disagree, we do, but we do it in a healthy way. We do it in a loving way. When we do this, hurting, lonely, broken people in our community will continue to come into this place and go, this is what I've been looking for. This is what my heart and my mind and my soul have been longing for. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we're, what we're striving for? That's what the early church had. That's all they had. They, they didn't have any building. They didn't have any power. They didn't have any money. All they had was the powerful ability to love other people. They loved on babies who were discarded. They loved on women. They loved on elderly. They loved on, on people who had died and their bodies were just uh, scattered around. It was the Christians who gathered in and said, we will take care of people. We will love one another. Why? Because Jesus commanded it. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone in our community, everyone in Ahwatukee, everyone in Chandler, everyone in Tempe, everyone in Mesa, everyone in Maricopa will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how Christ wants us to be known in our community. So, We have shirts made. They're, they're 10 bucks. And the good news is that uh, this is a great way for us to send a signal to each other and to send a signal to the community. The bad news is it, it was so popular in the first service, we totally ran out. So, so what they're doing in the lobby in the Make a Difference Center is you just go out there, and if you want to have one of these shirts, we're going to rush order them and have them available for next week, hopefully. You go out there, and you just sign your name, because and, 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 you want one of these shirts. I want you to get one of these shirts as just a way of saying, this is who we are. This is, this is what we are doing going forward. With the uncertainty, not knowing what, what's going to look like or the timing or all that, this is what we are going to do. And I want you to hear me today that my, my last teaching Sunday, again, I'm going to be here for, for, for weeks after this, so just continue to, to be here. I get to be on staff for a number of weeks, but this is my last teaching Sunday. And I just want you to hear, th th these are not my last words. Who cares what my last words are? These are the words of Jesus, the king of all kings. He gave a new command to his disciples and therefore to us. Love one another. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. 
But when you're tempted to go down those other paths, to go down the hatred paths, love one another. Would you pray with me? Father, I am profoundly thankful for the way I and my family have been loved here at Mountain Park. You have loved us. You have been patient with me as I made plenty of mistakes. You don't require me to be perfect in order to be used by you. You have loved me directly, and you have loved me profoundly through this body. You have loved our family. I thank you for that, God. And I thank you for this group of people. I pray that Mountain Park as a church continues to let this be the best part of her. That, that we continue to love one another. We continue to be, to be inspired by these words that you spoke thousands of years ago. They would shape us. They would be who we are. In the name of your son Jesus, we pray. Amen.